The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Gail Tverberg, who is an actuary interested in finite world issues, oil depletion, natural gas depletion, water shortages, and climate change. Her blog, which has a huge readership, is ourfiniteworld.com. Thank you for joining the broadcast, Gail. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Now, right off the bat, I must tell you that I absolutely love your blog posts. I'm not well versed on energy. And so reading your material is very helpful. And you have a different view on things, which I appreciate. Uh, but before I ask you know, particular questions, I thought it would be good if you could give us sort of your macro view on energy and how you view the state of things, the global energy and resource situation. Uh, some people talk about climate change. I'll be honest, I'm not a believer in anthropogenic global warming, but I do recognize many environmental issues. Some people say we are running out of resources entirely, while others say the issue has more to do with energy return on investment or EROI. Could you give us sort of your overarching view of the global situation related to you know, energy and the economy? Well, the way I would describe the situation is you have a, a two-sided problem. You have a, an ever-growing population, and then you also have resources of many different kinds that are more and more difficult to extract. And difficult means it takes more energy to extract them and such things. Uh, and it takes more steel and it takes more, all of the different kinds of resources. So to try to model this thing is very difficult. And uh, this energy return on energy investment thing is a very simple minded way of halfway modeling it. And I, I don't know. I have difficulties with it. I think limits to growth is a much better way of modeling it where you look at it on a broader overview basis. What happens is that uh, as you, you know, when a population enters an area, uh, they usually start out with a small number of people. Maybe they find a way to do farming in a bigger area by cutting down trees. And you know, gradually the population grows, but once the population outgrows the resources, then there's a problem. Uh, and you know, there's they can't produce enough food for all the people, and that's a problem. Well, as you get to a world economy, then you have to have some more uh, concentrated forms of energy. And you know, we gradually got uh, started out with coal. Then we added uh, oil and natural gas, uh, and they are more concentrated forms of energy, and they help us do more additional things beyond just cutting down trees and burning them. Uh, but what happens is you still run into this problem of you know, the population growing. At the same time, it becomes more difficult to get the resources out. So what happens at some point is the system just plain tends to bind up. You can't do any more. And it's not because oil ran out or coal ran out or, you know, we're not using enough renewables. It's the fact that they all use the same resources and you can't model it well enough. Uh, you know, it, it's tempting to try to model it, but you can't stop and figure out that, you know, Building a wind turbine uses exactly the same resources that building an oil mine uh, or oil well does. 
so there's an awfully lot of overlap in there. And so it's not something that's uh, an independent kind of a thing that you can say if the energy return on energy invested is above X, it's good. Well, maybe it's good at one point in time when the population is low enough, but once the population gets too high and the resource use uh, can't keep up, that's when you start getting the whole system to bind up. And that's what we're running into right now. Now, I, I know this is a simple question, but as I said, um, I mean, we, we talk a lot about geopolitics and other issues on this podcast and not everyone has the time to specialize in everything and so um and i i'm sure a, a lot of my listeners as, as well um this would be useful for them this question of you know whether we have infinite uh amount of of, of resources on the planet or whether they are constantly renewable like there's theories of the abiotic oil uh or whether our resources are truly uh, finite or or whether the issue is that we extract faster than the resources renew. Uh, could you just kind of clarify that for us, for, from your perspective? And you know, are, are we reach? And if 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 uh, if if the resources are truly finite, are we reaching then the end of the road in terms uh, of energy and resources? Well, the way it works. Uh, well, start with uh, the forests. Uh, it's very very easy to overuse our forests. In fact. We seem to have been overusing the forest many, many years ago. Even hunter-gatherers seemed to go and burn down whole forests because they wanted to get at particular kinds of foodstuffs or what they wanted the food to grow differently uh, the, the way it could out in the open. Uh, so, you know, we have been uh, cutting down forests, um, you know, to provide farmland and, we, you know, what happened is we would have to go look for wood farther and farther away from populated areas because all the wood nearby had been cut down. So this has been a problem for thousands of years, the, the lack of close enough wood. Well, we have the same kind of issues with other kinds of uh, things too with renewable soil, for instance, is renewable as the uh, ground rocks uh, weather, you know, then you get more minerals coming out of them. But the ground rocks weather rather very slowly. So if our soil is eroding because of our farming techniques, we overuse the soil relative to how fast it replenishes. So that becomes a problem. Uh, and of course, these wind turbines and solar panels, you have to keep replacing the wind turbines. You have to keep replacing all of the um, electric transmission lines that you're sending it out to the individual businesses with. And so all of this requires a whole lot of resources all along. Uh, and while it may look like it's renewable, it really isn't renewable. Uh, and if you had abiotic oil where it kind of renewed itself, well, that, you know, it, it still would become a problem of how fast does it renew itself? A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. 
Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with the doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation, book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly members group call, and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> another point that you bring up, I mean, this is a big question. You, you, you made a post in December titled, um, quite startling, is it possible that the world is approaching uh, end times? And you say that the fossil fuel energy of all types, oil, coal, and natural gas is in short supply relative to the world's huge population, as you've just been explaining, and that this inadequate energy supply can be expected to pull the world economy toward collapse, a truly stark uh, scenario. And you cite Revelation 18 from the Bible, which describes a total collapse of the global uh, economy. Um, given the inflation that we're starting to see that's, that's becoming permanent, that's you know plus 10%, and we're beginning to see supply chains uh, break down, it, you know, it does seem we could theoretically be in the very beginning stages of such a scenario or, or something similar. Um, could you tell us more about this you know, the end of the world or the end of the world as we know it type scenario? Well, we've known for a long time that we would end up, well, we've known for a long time that civilizations in general have tended to follow a pattern where they rise for a while and they kind of plateau and then they slowly at first start going down and then maybe more quickly go down. If They don't fall immediately, but they start going down. And I think I was starting to say back at 2018, we were seeing real signs in 2019 that we were hitting this plateau period and that things were really worrisome. So then we're going into 2020 and the COVID shutdowns you could also be justified based on, well, the financial system was doing so poorly, they needed an excuse to close things down. You know, so, you know, and now we're, we're still seeing more of the same thing, but uh, and in fact, the oil supply, I think it hit its peak, at least according to some ways of calculating it at the end of, which is it, 2018. Or, yeah, it depends on what you got, crude oil or whatever. And coal has been on a fairly flat pat plateau. And when you compare these different kinds of any energy to uh, the population, you get per capita 
energy consumption going down for the last couple of years. So we're already kind of in this place where it looks like it's starting on the downturn. And the kind of thing uh, you might expect is spiking oil prices, uh, spiking coal prices, spiking natural gas prices, spiking steel prices, all kinds of different things, spiking food prices. Fertilizer is in very short supply because it's made with either natural gas or with coal. And uh, both of those are in short supply. And without enough fertilizer, the food production is likely to go down. This is a big, big, big concern. And and this seems sort of like a if you could tell us a bit more, uh, you know, if you could extrapolate or project, it, this would seem sort of like a Mad Max type scenario. And, and if we go, if we go into this decline, it seems like we'll be there for a long while. Uh, it's not something that I think you can just pull rebuild out of um, quickly. Right. It, it's hard to see how you reverse the situation. Uh, you know what has historically happened is, well, one of the things that has happened is that uh, governments have been overthrown and it's, uh, the people have lived in somewhat more localized economies. Uh, But I think what's tended to happen is that diseases of all kinds have tended to spread more rapidly. And so, population went down fairly quickly, not necessarily from starvation, but just because people were in poorer health. So uh, something that wouldn't have killed them before might kill them, just an ordinary illness that's going around. You've also written uh, an article um, related to sustaining the economy. Is there any way to stave off this collapse, is there any way if, if we change something right now to, to continue to, to sustain the growing economy? Sustain the growing economy? Well, I think we kind of, you know, I hadn't realized that, you know, I think that the shutdowns in 2020 uh, were a way of hiding how bad the energy situation was at that point in time. You know, and people didn't realize, okay, everybody stay at home, especially you old people, stay at home. You know, that kind of thing did help keep the economy from collapsing because this pressure on it wasn't as bad. People, the airplanes weren't flying as many miles, for example, and people were not commuting to work. So that was a way of keeping uh, the economy going. Uh, It's when you try to open it back up again, you go, oops, no, we don't really have that. Yeah, I I had a past guest, uh, I think it was like a a year or two ago, mentioned the same thing as you. And I think it's true. I think what we're seeing is that that part of this lockdown was to kind of mask the fact of of the energy situation. what, what what do you think it will look like uh, in the in the near term? So, uh, I mean, what are things going to look like? Is the inflation going to be here to stay? Is it going to increase above ten percent? Um, are we going to see uh, our, our local supermarkets with with less products? Um, I mean, are we going to see more more unemployment? What are your thoughts going forward? Well, we don't know for certain, but I think the 
what I call the empty shelf problem is going to get worse and worse. There's going to be more and more products that we're looking for that aren't really there. You know, the grocery stores will be less and well, less and less well supplied. The uh, home improvement stores will be out of more products. We're going to have more trouble finding replacement parts for any kind of computer or for any kind of any kind of device. Uh, I, I'm worried about the semiconductor chips, for example. Uh, so, you know, I think that's going to be an issue. I think inflation gets to be a problem for a while, but I, I think a more likely scenario is we're moving in the direction where the economy starts breaking up into the world economy sta- starts breaking up into different pieces. Uh, it, it starts breaking up into, uh, instead of being, you know, an integrated world economy, there are certain groups that maybe are the strong ones that are able to attract most of the oil and coal and natural gas and uranium. And then there are weaker ones that are in worse shape and all they can do is chop down their forests quickly. Do you think then, yeah, there have been people talking about, um, you know, we've seen globalization and a lot of manufacturing offshore to China, but and people saying now we're going to have regional supply chains. So, for example, in the United States, uh, they might bring manufacturing back, say, here to Mexico. And so you'll have a more localized supply chain. Do you think this could help? Because um, you just said that we're going to have a lack of a lot of stuff, but if if they manage to kind of regionalize the supply chain and bring things closer to home that if that ha- once if that happens once that once that happens that that would uh, th- then we might start seeing more things again in, in the shops well i think it's really difficult to regionalize the supply chains because what happens is that the like for making a computer it takes materials from around the world and you can't regionalize it. Any of the high-tech devices we have takes uh, materials from around the world. Uh, it's really difficult with what we have. We've grown used to it. I was just driving around uh, yesterday on my way. Well, I was going to leave the house for an appointment, and I checked on my uh, phone for the GPS thing, and I discovered that my maps done on the Apple system were down. I thought, well, I hope things traffic is as usual. And I remember the right directions to go halfway across town to where I'm going. I know there's been a lot of construction over there, but the Apple maps is down right now. I guess I just have to go without it. So we've become very dependent on this kind of, you know, the things that we have, the, the fancy devices that we have, and we could very easily have little maps that tell you every exit. And well, they can't tell you what the current traffic condition is, but you know, it, you become so adapted to having all these things that anything that goes out becomes a big problem. It's funny you mentioned that problem. Over the weekend, I had the same issue with my <laughs> GPS. Yeah. Um, so you, your latest blog post is that discusses how Russia's 
attack on Ukraine represents a demand for a new world order um, and geopolitics and empire here. I've long been examining what seems to be a decline in the West and at least in, you know, somewhat of an increase in status of Eurasia. Uh, in this new world order, you say our access to energy will depend basically on what is produced uh, domestically in the country that we live in. Uh, I guess I'm lucky I live in Mexico because we've got, you know, <laughs> we've got, you know, oil and a number of uh, resources. But you also say population and living standards will decline. The dollar, the U.S. dollar will lose its uh, position. Uh, you say you say that Russia holds large sway on the world economy, but also that it fears another Soviet style uh, collapse. Could you tell us more about your thoughts on, on Ukraine, uh, Russia, China and this, you know, Biden, just President Biden just a day or two ago was talking about a, a new world order. Uh, so what are your thoughts there? Well, I think that the United States is, you know, floated very high in terms of the world order. It's been able to buy more goods in the world market than it's sold there for many, many years. So every year it adds more debt, you know, it gets more uh, imported goods than it exports. And of course, a lot of what we do export is, I don't know, movies or you know, financial products or something like that. It's not uh, real goods that you would think of that we, you might think of somebody making. So uh, the U.S. has done very well, but this order can't last forever. And, you know, when the U.S. puts on sanctions, it can say and it can and Biden can think, well, you know, I am in charge. I picked out what needs to happen. But in fact, it can be viewed a different way. And that can be that maybe it is to Russia's benefit to say, OK, well, we'll just pick out trading partners, partners we want now. Uh, we want uh Certainly, we want China. I understand India wants to buy oil directly from Russia. Uh, you know, there's talk of uh, Saudi Arabia selling its oil in a currency other than the U.S. dollar. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have a situation where the the whole uh it's no longer an international market the same way we've been used to it. It's much more of uh, several countries that are, they have decided that they're going to trade with each other, trading with each other. And the people who, the countries that have put out sanctions, well, <laughs> good luck. They can take care of themselves. You know, if they happen to have the resources, they can build things. If they don't, well, they're kind of out of luck. So, so would you say then what we're witnessing is the forming of different blocks and kind of like what people say it's a multipolar world. And so it's kind of like what George Orwell wrote about in 1984, where you got Eurasia, Oceania. Uh, so do you kind of see um, this coming into being then? Right. I haven't. I haven't read 1984 for quite a few years. I read it before 1984, you know. Uh, yeah, but that's what happens is you end up with new blocks forming and new ways of paying for things. Uh, and the currency that we're used to using, maybe not working, you know, maybe we have state of Georgia dollars and state of Pennsylvania dollars and state of 
New York dollars. And if you're traveling around, maybe those dollars aren't all that interchangeable, for example. And I, I don't believe I've seen you um, mention this on your blog post, but I'm just curious. Um, the, the idea of you know Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, the, the criticism there, given everything you've said about energy, uh, you know, this Bitcoin mining and stuff takes a lot of energy. Do you see that uh, as something feasible or sustainable? What are your thoughts on the, you know, Bitcoin? Well, I have a hard time seeing electricity in general being very sustainable. And if you're trying to back up your Bitcoin with calculations and all of that kind of thing, it definitely is not sustainable. Now, whether it's if it's just some kind of a government debt, like all of this other stuff, uh, but you still have to have a system where everybody can have their own cell phone or some such thing, and they get some allocation on their phone, and, and maybe they pay that way. But it's going to be very hard to, to manufacture all these things. They take all kinds of semiconductors, for example, to do this. And trying to identify who is who, you know, I've never gotten the fingerprint to work on my cell phone. And I bet I'm not the only person who's had difficulty with that. You know, and I guess they've done some things with, you know, looking at the irises of your eye or whatever it is. But different it's not as easy as you would think trying to keep a system like that going i know there were stories out that uh the um, that bill gates had some program in india that he was trying out on a group of indians where they were supposed to um you know use only the the phone to access certain payment scheme but a lot of people had difficulty with it. Yeah, I've had a number of guests also comment on this. Um, I, I, I view that as a positive thing because <laughs> there are some people, you know, World Economic Forum and, and stuff who have painted this sort of dystopia that, that they would like to have us in using this digital control system. And so, uh, as you say, it you know, maybe they won't be able to get uh, complete fully their their vision um before i ask another question are there any other are there any issues that are kind of front and center on, on your mind any any pressing issues that you would want to get across to us mm, <laughs> i'm not sure I, you're doing a pretty good job right now i would say <laughs> okay um you, you also mentioned you know maybe just to get your thought on, on geopolitics you've, you've also talked about uh, uh afghanistan uh, on your blog um do you have any thoughts related to, to geopolitics, Afghanistan, uh, or you know, you, you also talked about Ukraine and, and, and NATO? Uh, do, do you feel we could be in a World War III uh, scenario? What are your thoughts there? Well, I think the the big issue is that right now there's really not enough energy to go around, and so then you end up with a lot of problems. And I, it's sort of like playing a game of musical chairs, you know, where you know, with musical chairs, the game, you start out with a group of chairs in a circle and then and a group of people equal to the number of chairs. And then uh, they uh, take out one chair and they march, the people march around the outside. And then at the, when the music stops, each person is supposed to find a chair 
But then, of course, one person is left out. So everybody scrambles for the chair and then fight for the chairs. And then you keep repeating this pattern. And so there's more and more fighting. Well, that's what happens in the real world, too. When there's not enough resources to go around, you're constantly fighting this issue of uh, not enough to go around. So this is why we end up with a lot more fighting right now. And, you know, and it's going to go on this way, I'm afraid, no matter what goes on. Uh, and, and also the fact that we are reaching these limits means we can't go doing all kinds of far-flung wars in different parts of the world uh, because we don't have the resources to put all of these people over in Afghanistan or wherever indefinitely. Uh, you kind of have to choose your battles as to what you're doing. And I suppose that's why Biden is going the sanctions route, but he doesn't stop to figure out that the sanctions can backfire badly. So even if he assumes that this is good for the United States, it can be terrible for the United States and it can be terrible for Europe, for example. This might be a slightly odd question, but it, you know, it's something I've thought about as well, given you, you've referenced the Bible and just looking at the broad, uh, you know, the thousands of years of, of human history um, and the, te- the technology that we've had and, and, and energy, you know, um, we've really basically industrialized just from the past century or two, you know, with all electricity and all of these gadgets that we have that are just recent inventions. And now you're talking about, it seems like it's that we've reached a peak and it's like a permanent, I guess, um, decline of resources. So do you feel that maybe throughout all of human history in terms of this technology that we have, that we may have reached a, a, a peak and that we're declining now and that do you think we'd ever be able to to come back to this point at at some future point? You know, maybe centuries uh, into the future, yeah. or or do you think we've kind of reached a, a, a peak in in terms of energy use and, and technology I, in the grand scheme of things? I think you know the way we're doing things right now. I think the peak was probably reached back about two thousand eighteen, maybe. Or to, you know, when you're talking about vehicles per person, you know, worldwide, or cell phones, smart cell phones per person worldwide, uh, or concrete, you know, came to a, a peak a while back. Uh, I think we've already hit the peak and we're starting down, but we don't necessarily recognize it quite yet because, you know, we had people sitting at home and such things. Now we're in this world where we're trying to work our way around it. We're trying to open up and we're saying, oh, sure, we can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, oops. The price kind of goes way through the roof. And that just doesn't last very well. Uh, You end up with the very poor countries, especially doing very badly. I know I was just reading that Sri Lanka uh, was having trouble. They, They couldn't afford to buy paper for tests and things like that for the children, school children. Uh, you know, they, they've had a whole lot of problems. They can't import fertilizer. Um, but there's so many poor countries that import a lot of goods or try to, and they just can't afford it anymore. So it's especially the poor people in the poor countries 
that are going to see a much higher uh, death rate, I would expect, in the near future. Um, so if it is the end of the world, or at least the end of the world as we know it. Uh, as we know it, right. Yeah. yeah. How, how, how do we as individuals, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? How do we best prepare for when the tomato hits the fan? How do we do it? That's a good question. I think we we appreciate the fact that we have things as good as they're going to be already. And we appreciate all of the you know beautiful weather outside that I have right now, for example. I, I spend a lot of time outside walking around and we appreciate our own families. We, we do things of that sort. Um, I think that the only solution to the extent there is a solution is a religious solution. Uh, you know, we don't know what comes after this life. Uh, it, it's not going to be life on this earth, but we don't know that there isn't uh, some other uh, long-term solution that uh, God has created. There seems to be, you know, if you have an ever-expanding universe, there has to be some power that allows the universe to expand indefinitely in the way it is. And it, there has to be something that created this uh, evolutionary kind of concept and how the whole world can, how the universe can keep evolving in a way that keeps everything in balance and, you know, keeps moving in a direction that keeps it operating the way it is. Uh, and, you know, we don't appreciate the amount of, I don't know what you would say, planning that had to have gone into this whole thing to make it work as well as it does. So, you know, we don't know what comes after this life. And uh, I think there's quite a bit of evidence that, you know, there may be in fact be a place for us after we leave here. Uh, yes, I, I would uh, totally agree with you there. Um, do you have any final thought for us then? Well, I want to thank you for inviting me to talk here today. Um, I, I love your work. And again, I urge everyone to, to check out your material. Where would be the best place or places for people it, to, to follow my, your work? My website is ourfiniteworld.com. O-U-R-F-I-N-I-T-E-W-O-R-L-D.com. All right. I would urge everyone to sign up uh, to Gail uh, Tverberg's blog at ourfiniteworld.com. Uh, I'm subscribed, so I get a notification every time you, you post something. So I urge others to do that. Uh, great work. Um, and again, thank you, Gail, for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Well, thank you for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. 
The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.